This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Morning, church. My name is Pastor Brad Bergfalk. I'm the uh, transitional lead pastor here, and I'm delighted to be with you on this nice fall Alaska morning. In fact, I was talking with somebody earlier today and uh, about the rain, and I just said, you know, I'm just really glad the precipitation is in this form right now. I'm originally from uh, I'm originally from the Seattle area, so this is pretty much what we have all year there. So it's it's the same. Um, I'm going to read for you the passage of scripture that is. Uh, in your uh, worship guide and you can follow along if you have your own Bible or I believe it'll be on the screen behind me as well but I'm reading from uh, Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 through 12 ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. This uh, text to inspire us uh, this morning, uh, to lead us more deeply into uh, the landscape of our faith, whether we have been walking with you for decades, or whether we are still wondering whether or not we want to even consider this faith thing. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. In uh, 1784, a Russian explorer, let me see if I can get his name right, named Grigory Shelikov, uh, he uh, was sailing, exploring uh, the Alaska waters, and he founded Alaska's first permanent settlement. And I think it was somewhere down near Kodiak Island or out on the Alaska Peninsula someplace. In 1779, a few years before that, the Spaniard, and let's see if I can pronounce this right, Ignacio D'Artega. Yeah, there we go. Ignacio D'Artega sailed into Prince Edward Sound, and he claimed the territory, all of, all of Prince Edward Sound, for, Span- for the Spanish. And apparently it didn't work out somewhere along the way because I don't remember uh, the Spanish actually ever ever occupying that. But um, if you if you do uh, remember, there are a bunch of names down there: uh, Valdez, Cordova. Those are all Spanish words. So now you know uh, how that came about. Uh, Captain James Cook, in his third and final voyage, uh, was looking for the Northwest Passage, 
And so he was sailing up the west coast of the United States of North America, uh, including Canada. He uh, went in the Columbia River Basin thinking he had found it, but it, but he didn't. It was just a river. He went a little further north. He went up the Fraser River, which is right there in Vancouver. He thought he found the Northwest Passage. He didn't. He kept coming north. He got into what we now call the Cook Inlet, and he went up the Turnigan Arm thinking this has got to be it. And, of course, he got to the end there, and uh, his boat ran aground or something. And then he had one last uh, try, and he came around the Cook Point there, or whatever, uh, uh, Anchorage, and he came up the Knick Arm, and he didn't find the Northwest Passage. And then there is a gentleman named... Ernest Shackleton, the great explorer who went on an expedition to the South Pole. And this is the ad that he put in the newspaper. He said, Men wanted for hazardous journeys, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger. No, no, that's, that's the ad they put in the paper for me to come here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, constant danger, safe return, doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. Call Ernest Shackleton for Burlington Street. Uh, how many of you would have answered that ad? You're lying. In a sense, all of us are explorers. Deep, deep down in most people, there's a desire to push the boundaries in some way, shape, or form. If, if anybody here has teenagers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because our teenage kids are in the boundary-pushing business. That's what they do. And it's, it's really great when they get past that, and I think I'm almost past that with my own kids, but... Um, I'm kind of a big kid that way, so I do that occasionally. Anyway, we, we desire to push the boundaries, and sometimes it's pushing the boundaries like trying a new recipe. You know, for some of us, that's really, that's really crazy wild to try to do that. Um, for some of us, it's taking up a new hobby. Or for some of us, it might be launching out into a new place to discover something about God, about oneself, and about the world in which we live. Today, we, we are beginning a new series of sermons that uh, I've called Four Words. And the word that we're going to focus on today is the word explore. If you forget, um, we have it written on this banner over here on your left. So um, if somewhere in the midst of all this you get lost, just look over here at this banner and you will know that we're on Explore. Uh, next week, we're going to look at the word connect. The week after that, we're going to look at the word transform. And a couple weeks after that, we're going to look at the last word celebrate. Why these words, you, you ask? Why these four words? Because these words make up a, a part of the core vision, uh, the values, really, of this congregation. So if you've been here for a long time, uh, maybe 17 years, maybe you're one of the old timers that was involved in the founding of this church, you know these four words and these values, more importantly, uh, well. But if you've just uh, come in maybe the last year or two, and you're wondering, what, what does this church really believe? What, what makes them tick? Then these next four series of sermons are going to be very helpful to you to understand something about the core values, about the sort of the baseline uh, values of who we are as a congregation.
And by the end of this series, I'm hopeful that, that everybody here will either be reminded of these core values or will be delighted to know why it is we do some of the things that we do. Um, in the Proverbs, it says this, where there is no vision, people perish. And when you think about it, um, that's equally as true today as it was when the writer of the Proverbs penned that phrase. If we're not careful, both as individual followers of Jesus, but also as a congregation, about casting um, a vision that's leading us someplace, um, we're just going to get lost. We can explore to our heart's content, but we're going to get lost in the process. And this text that I read for you a moment ago is a great text in this regard because I think it gives us this picture of, of, of a character of a God who is not afraid to allow us to explore our faith. This passage gives us a picture of the character of a God who is not afraid to allow us to explore our faith. This passage find, uh, falls right in the middle of uh, a sermon that Jesus happened to be preaching uh, when, he, when he was uh, out and about doing his ministry. And this, this larger section of Scripture is often referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. So you get a, you get a really um, a high concentration of what the kingdom of God looks like. In this sermon, because that's, that's what Jesus' vision is. That's what Jesus wants his, his would-be followers to understand. And the text is, is pretty straightforward. It says, ask and it will be given to you. I mean, if you boil everything in this little uh, text that I read a moment ago down to its basic core, it's ask and it will be given. Now, some folks read this text and they believe that this passage points to a God that wants to give us whatever we want, right? If we want wealth and prosperity, they will say, go ahead, ask. In fact, there's some organizations and some churches that are set up all around this notion. If we want a new expensive car, ask. If we want to be healed from an illness or some terminal disease, ask. I suppose you could take this this text that way, but I kind of think it's a misreading of the text. I think rather that than seeing this as a formula for getting what we want whenever we want it, I think this passage in first and foremost is a picture of God. And what leads me to say this is the fact that Jesus follows up this first section of the text with some very specific examples of what this looks like from real life. We have an example of a parent who has asked for bread from a child. Or, or ask for fish. And Jesus says, if your child asks for bread or fish, would a parent give them a stone? Would a parent respond by giving them a snake? Of course not. That's the obvious answer. And then Jesus uh, continues to illustrate his point by talking about the fish and the snake and so on. In the same way, the God that we worship is a God who practices what I like to call reckless hospitality. 
Now, it might, that, that might sound funny for you to hear those two words kind of join together. But I think that that's what this text is about. It's about a picture of a God who is recklessly hospitable to, to God's people and God's children. Rather than understanding this God as, as some sort of genie that we rub the bottle just the right way so that he can grant us whatever wish that we want, I think the intent of this passage is to encourage us to never stop exploring, never stop asking questions, never stop looking at the edges of the contours of our faith. You see, the, the larger context here in the Sermon on the Mount is about what it looks like when the kingdom of God penetrates into a person's life. God understands that, that each of us sitting here today comes to faith in a very different set of circumstances and experiences. And as a result, God wants us to ask. God wants us to seek. God wants us to knock as often as, as we need to, in, in order to, to go deeper into our, our experience of faith, wherever we may find ourselves on that continuum of faith. Another way to put it might be this way. God wants us to become explorers who, who are not satisfied with the way things are in our life at this very moment, but are constantly striving, always seeking, and ready to explore the, the untracked territory of our spiritual lives. This, this reckless generosity of God is not holding out on us. You know, he's not saying, okay, I'm going to wait until you, you ask. or what. It, it's about a God who welcomes our honest doubts, our, our troubling questions, our, our frequent requests for more information. God, can you just give me a little bit more information so I can make a good decision. And it's on this basis, on the basis of this character of God, that, that, that Community Covenant Church holds faith exploration, if you will, as one of its highest values. So if you find yourself this morning exploring some aspect of your own faith, exploring faith in general, maybe you're, you're, you're considering faith for the very first time, this is the right place for you to be. God has you here for that very purpose. Part of our faith exploration involves us um, doing this in a world where there's all kinds of doubts. There's all kinds of doubters. There's all kinds of people out there in our world who have every good reason to, uh, to call into question issues of faith. Some, some churches and Christian people, uh, on the other hand, don't have any room at all for honest exploration. When you, when you run into these kinds of churches and these kind of people, you know it right away because when you begin to ask them your honest questions, they often have this very snappy answer, like they've read it in a book or memorized it or you know, heard their preacher, uh, pastor, tell them the right answer. Sometimes these these snappy answers may satisfy our questions about God for the moment. But in my experience, most of the time, those kind of pat answers often confirm that, that 
this perspective of God and this kind of uh, practice of Christian faith doesn't really allow any room for honest exploration. Let me say something about that uh, honest inquiry or honest exploration. I've known people over the years who have genuine doubts. and And those doubts actually are keeping them from pursuing a life of faith. And I love to have conversations with those people who come to their doubts honestly because in most cases, when you provide them with honest answers, they will often recalibrate their point of view based on this new set of information that they have. Thus, they will be a little less hesitant and a little more willing to continue to explore their relationship with God from a slightly different place. I've also known people who have developed a very clever smokescreen of doubts where they are no more interested in answering their questions than they're interested in getting a root canal. You've met people like this too. They have established themselves as agnostics or in some cases atheists on the basis of a few classic conundrums, a few classic questions And in so doing, they're able to hold God at arm's length. And they don't really want to find out the answers. They're very happy to have two or three questions that kind of can keep God as far away as possible. Now, this first kind of doubter, I will spend all of the time in the world with because their doubt comes from a place of honest inquiry. I love that kind of exploration. The person who's using the problem of evil or some other um, philosophical conundrum as a basis to hold God at arm's length, I don't have any time with. In fact, I would suggest that it's virtually impossible to convince them uh, of anything anyway until they get to the place that they're willing to have honest inquiry. Now, sometimes we view doubt as as a bad thing. And I don't think that, uh, that doubt is bad at all. In fact, I don't think Jesus sees doubt as a bad thing. Uh, my, one of my favorite uh, authors named Frederick Beekter, he says this about doubt. He says, doubt is the ants in the pants of faith. They keep it awake and moving. I love that. Especially if any of you have ever experienced ants in your pants or even up your cuff. I mean, they, they can be kind of uh, uh, troublesome. If a person has no doubts, if a person is not in the process of exploring a new aspect of their spiritual life, then there's a pretty good chance that their spiritual life is dormant or, or perhaps worse, it's dying or dead already. You see, it's that same spirit that compelled guys like Ernest Shackleton and all the other explorers that I mentioned a moment ago, to launch off on their expeditions in order to discover it's that same spirit that calls us to bring our questions and bring our doubts to God. Community Covenant Church wants to be a place, a safe place for that kind of exploration. We want to be a place that encourages that. In 1912, two men, one named Rald Amundsen and the other one named Robert Falcon Scott, decided they wanted to be the first to discover the South Pole. 
because each knew the other one was preparing for this treacherous trip. They hurriedly put together their teams, their dog sleds, their provisions, and they set out across the bleak Antarctic continent, trying to be the first one to put their flag uh, at the South Pole. Uh, when Amundsen encountered foul weather, because they'd set out a little early in the spring, they turned back to wait for a more opportune time and to do a little bit more preparation uh, before they left on the trip. Scott, on the other hand, he pushed ahead, straining his dog team, using up more provisions than they intended along the way. And when they arrived at the South Pole, guess what? They discovered that Amundsen had already been there. And on their return trip, Scott and his entire team perished. Why did Amundsen succeed and Scott fail in their attempt to be the first to reach the South Pole? Quite simply, Amundsen succeeded because he was not afraid to prepare and take the necessary precautions when it was necessary for the sake of his own success. Likewise, when we explore the inner landscape of our faith, we don't just engage in that haphazardly. We prepare to explore the landscape of our faith by engaging with a community of faith that can help direct us along the way. I've known people who who have uh, engaged in sort of this solitary pursuit of all of their questions to seek to resolve some of the doubts that they have without the benefit of a community. And it's much more difficult and it's much more treacherous when you try to do that by yourself. The fact of the matter is that there's always others. There's always others who have walked through the challenging questions that we may have before us. There are always others who, who can come alongside of us, who can offer us resources, who can help ask clarifying questions, who can sometimes even walk alongside us and keep us from falling into the, the, the crevasse along the way. You see, the the risk of exploring without having a community around us is far higher than if we explore our faith, if if we express our doubts in a context of a safe place like this. And I, I think there are times when people explore faith questions on their own, and they do finally get to the place where they want, but in most cases it takes a lot longer and it's a lot tougher of a trail. the person who has doubts and the community of faith that desires to be a safe place for people to express their doubts can do so without running the risk of being pushed to the side, without being told that they're wrong, without being told that you can't ask questions like that here. You see, to have all of the answers to life's most perplexing questions is really an unachievable reality. It'll never happen. So if any of you are sitting here today and you're waiting to get every single answer to every single question answered before you take that step of faith, um, you might want to think that one through again because it's probably not likely going to happen. Sometimes uh, we must be prepared to allow our, our questions, the, the questions that perplex us 
just to remain unanswered for a time. We can come back to them later, but sometimes we have to take a step even though we don't have all the answers. Sometimes we need to be willing as people of faith when asked to, be, to say, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that question right now. When I was in college, I was a lifeguard um, for two summers, and uh, it was an outdoor job, so that was kind of fun, except for if you're a lifeguard in the Pacific Northwest, it pretty much looks like this all summer. So uh, we found ourselves uh, uh, guarding the beach, even though there wasn't a single person anywhere to be seen. And in fact, sometimes we kidded around that we were there to save the Canadian geese if they needed to be rescued. But because the beach was open, lifeguards had to sit on the stand and basically uh, they would put uh, two of us together so that the hour or so that we would sit on the stand watching the empty water would go by more quickly. And it was, an, it was often a great opportunity uh, to have nice conversation with one of your fellow lifeguards. And in fact, this was a really rich time for me as a Christian because I was, I was uh, uh, growing leaps and bounds in my faith and I was doing a lot of reading and uh, loving talking with people about my faith whenever I had the opportunity. And when I looked at the uh, schedule on one particular day, I, uh, Gus had been scheduled to sit on the stand with me. Uh, Gus was our local uh, atheist and philosopher. And I thought to myself, I wonder if I can change the schedule. I don't know if I'm ready to spend an hour sitting on a lifeguard stand in the rain uh, having you know, profound conversations about faith with Gus. Well, sure enough, uh, uh, we sat on the lifeguard stand that day guarding uh, Canadian geese, and, and Gus launched into this full-blown debate about the existence of God and the meaning of faith and the problem of evil, the whole thing, which is always uh, surprising to me that Gus was so willing to talk about this stuff for an atheist. But nevertheless, um, occasionally I would interject a word or two why I believed Jesus was God and, and why I believed that uh, Jesus was worthy of devoting my life to him. But as my memory serves me, Gus did most of the talking during this hour we sat on the, the lifeguard stand together. And at one point, after he'd talked a long time and I couldn't get a word in edgewise, he, he asked this question to me. He said, so how do you deal with the philosophical arguments of the atheist philosopher Bertrand Russell? And I, I'm sure I looked like deer caught in headlights. I, I, I didn't know who he was talking about. Um, but I thought that this was my moment. This was the moment that, that God had been preparing me for. I, he had asked me a question. I could, just like a politician, I didn't have to answer that question. I could launch off and give him my best stuff. But then I thought, you know what? If I do that it will probably reveal my stupidity. So maybe I shouldn't do that. And so instead, this is what I said to him. I said, Gus, I don't know. I don't know who Bertrand Russell is. If you have a book, I'm happy to read it. See, one of the most helpful ways that we can respond to people who have doubts, 
People who are genuinely seeking. People who are, are genuinely asking questions and they're looking for answers to some of the most difficult questions in their lives. It's one of the best ways for us to respond is with these three words. I don't know. It's okay. There's a humility in not having all the answers. A, f- a friend of mine recently said, I used to know everything, and now I know Jesus. I love that. I used to know everything, and now I know Jesus. It's okay not to be, have all of the answers. There's a humility, but more than that, there's a recognition that one doesn't have to have all the answers in order to live a meaningful life of faith. Last but not least, uh, exploring isn't for the weak of, of heart. I think it takes a great deal of courage, actually, to, to explore the inner landscape of your faith. I think it's easy, frankly, to just be spoon-fed what somebody else teaches you, what the pastor says, some, some book that you read, and, and just say, I believe what that guy believes. That's simple. What I think is really hard is when we take the time and the courage to explore that landscape of our faith and our doubts, and we don't settle for pat answers. We don't use some, some well-timed theological response to somebody's really important question. Just like there's a great courage involved when, a, when an explorer navigates uh, on uncharted waters, when we honestly explore the questions that we bring to our faith, there will always be the risk that the answer we get is not what we were expecting. There's always that risk. When, when Captain James Cook sailed into the Cook Inlet, he wasn't, uh, it wasn't called that till later, you know, uh, uh, looking for the Northwest Passage. He sailed trying to find it, and he got stumped a couple times. He never found it, actually. But what he did was fill in the map a little bit more of the map gets filled in. When, when, when he discovered that it wasn't the Northwest Passage, he went on and kept looking. When we explore the inner landscape of our faith and our doubts, we too will often go down some rabbit trails, some, some dead ends. Or sometimes we will end up having more questions than we have answers. When that happens, we, we don't have to be discouraged. We don't have to quit exploring. We simply have to fill in more details on the map. In the same way as we bring our genuine questions about God, about faith, about life, to our exploration, there will be times when we do get a little down because we think there should be an answer out there someplace. There will be times when we wonder if it's worth it. There will be times when we believe it might just be easier to to adopt that kind of easy answer kind of faith. Exploring our doubts, finding the answers to the questions that keep us from diving into our faith can, can never be satisfied by easy answer faith. And I, I want to say this as well, that, that I don't think God is interested in easy answer kinds of Christians, frankly. 
On the contrary, as we discover from the scripture that we've been looking at this morning, that God, God is not a pat answer God. The character of God's kingdom is just like the child who asks their parent for bread and who would think to give them a stone instead. So if you find yourself here this morning with more questions than answers about your faith, don't dismay. God is big enough to handle your most difficult questions. If you have been afraid of exploring the inner landscape of your faith because you were afraid of doing it alone, then let me tell you that this is the right place for you to be because there are lots of people in this place who are asking similar questions or have asked those questions and have walked down that trail just ahead of you and are willing to walk with you. If you're here this morning and and you have already resorted to an easy answer kind of faith, I want to encourage you not to be afraid to ask, to knock, to seek, to do whatever you need to in order to satisfy your yearnings to know and to be known by God more. And as we explore these inner landscapes of our faith together, let us do it with a certain sense of humility about it. Honesty. Recognition that that we don't always have to have all the right answers in order to, get this, entrust our lives to a God who is waiting for us to ask. To knock. I don't know about you, but I... I find the, the expedition of faith as fun as getting all the answers sometimes. And I want to invite you to, to, uh, to explore the places of your faith wherever you find yourself. And maybe God is calling you today to take that one step further in, deeper Maybe God is calling you today to take the first step. Whatever might be the case, don't be afraid to explore. Let's pray. Oh God, you do. And I don't know if he's got all the answers to his faith questions answered by now this many years later or not. But I've met a lot of people like Gus along the way. And uh, I pray that you will help this congregation be a place that welcomes people like Gus. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray.